0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Are you ready for some great stuff? Um, I know the Lord has been preparing this message uh, in my heart for since November. And so it has been stewing and building and growing, and um, he's just been sprinkling some great stuff uh, on there. So I'm going to start really quick with a prayer, um, because I really want the Holy Spirit's words to be coming out of my mouth, and so do you. So um, let's start there. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that we can trust you. You are the faithful one. Faithful and true. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have prepared these words and you have prepared the ears of the hearers for these words. Holy Spirit, I just surrender everything to you. I lay this message at your feet and I trust you to take it wherever you want to take it. Interrupt if you want to interrupt. Go in a different direction. If you want to go a different direction, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do, I trust you. We all trust you. Jesus, may this bring you honor and glory and draw us closer to you. And it's in that holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So um, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on me because some of you guys don't know me. Um, and I uh, I'm one of those people who... Uh, when I read a book or when I listen to a message, if I know a little bit about the author um, of the book or the person who's giving the message, uh, I can trust what's being said or written a little more easily. I'll tell you a little bit of a funny story about that. When um, I first built a relationship with Caleb, who's the senior leader of the resting place, he was, he was hired as a worship leader at the church I was going to at Grow Life up in Wesley Chapel. And um I was so excited about his presence and Jamadi's presence, but the things that I heard that he was kind of saying scared me a little. Some of you guys have got, heard Caleb and it's been a little scary, right? <laughs> and I asked him if he would go to coffee with me. And I um we would well I would say it was a debate. He would say it was my open questions and his great answers, you know, his 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 scriptural answers, and they were they were great answers. Um, but I kept going back to him again and again. Um, I wanted to trust him, but to be honest with you, I didn't the first the first little while that we knew each other. And when I first read his first book, Dependenceville, I didn't know whether I trusted him or not. And so I read it trying to get to know the author to see if I could trust what the Word said or not. So I recently reread that book, and it was a completely different experience because there was no back-and-forth questioning in my mind as to whether the author was trustworthy or not. And I guess that's my point, you know. So I want to share just a little bit with you about me. When I was asking the Lord what I should share, He actually... um, had me start with my mom's life, which is so interesting. So, um, my mom, I think this is the reason my mom has had multiple lives in her life. And some of you guys might have experienced a similar thing in your life, but she has lived a full, um, life in many different ways and areas. She, uh, my whole family is British. My mother and father are British. I was born in London. I lived there till I was seven. And when we moved to the East coast of Florida, um, I was in second grade, and the first my first goal in life was to get my American accent so I didn't sound different from everybody else. And I think I did well. Every now and then, some word will come along that I was I needed a new wind screen shield. Thank you. I needed a new wind, windshield, but I was calling it a windscreen, and so I guess that's a British word. I don't know, but. Um, every now and then, that, something like that comes out. But my mom was born of royalty on both sides of her family. Her mother and father um, have a royal bloodline in, in them. And so, and she, um, her dad was a British ambassador to Tehran at the time, which is today's Iran, I believe, Iran. Um, she was a professional musical dancer. So, like, in, in all the musicals, um, like on Broadway in England, that's called The West End. And she danced in all of those shows um, in the in 60s and 70s. Um, she met my dad there because he was like a musical groupie. And so she met him at an after party. They got married, and they had me and my sister. So she was a wife and a mom. So she gave up her dancing career to become a wife and a mom. And then she started working for a company called the Sunshine State Center, which relocated people from England to the Sunshine State, to Florida, and so one day they asked her if she would mind moving to this side of the Atlantic to help um, with that company. And so her and my dad jumped at the chance. Um, they said that they moved to Florida because they loved the weather, the beach, and Disney World. So we went to the beach and Disney World a lot. Um, and so I, um, she then became a realtor. She got her real estate license over here and she, she was a successful realtor and broker for 20 plus years. Um, Then she opened a tea room in New Tampa and ran a British tea room uh, for 10 years, and now she's a full-time missionary, and you'll find her in Thailand a lot, Um, and she travels all around the United States, and she goes to um, mainly Thailand for community Bible study and also for Compassionate Hope, and so um, she's still going so strong, it's amazing, and so She's had many fulfilling lives in her one life. And the Lord said, um, he told me that my life is paralleling that, which is really cool when I was preparing this message. Um, you know, I was born in England. When we moved over here, I was, a, um, I was an Olympic-level gymnast for many, many years, so that was a whole nother life for me. Um, I uh, went to college for my degree in biology. I always thought I was, I was called to be a doctor After working for two doctors, I realized I was not called to that. Um, I married my high school sweetheart and uh, now wonderful husband, Robert. And we have two boys, Charlie and Robbie, so that's a whole another life, right? Um, I started a a career with Mary Kay uh, 19 years ago. Um, When I was 29 years old, um, you know, God invited me to start my own business with that company, and it has been... An amazingly growth, amazingly huge growth opportunity for me. Um, and then three years ago, almost three years ago, April 3rd of 2020, the Lord called me to start my own ministry. And um, he, I had an encounter with him uh, one morning in my bathroom. I was putting my makeup on, minding my own business. <laughs> and his presence entered my bathroom and called me to unveil the bride. And um, from that encounter, there were many more things that he said to me during that encounter. But that's not what this message is about. Um, but a ministry that TRP has apostolically released was born from that moment, called Kala. Um, Kala uh, is an Aramaic word, and it uh, is the last word that Jesus spoke on the cross. And it has many, it has multiple meanings. It's a homonymic word, and so Kala means finished. Many of us have heard. That Jesus' last word was finished on the cross, but it also had three other meanings. That word that Jesus spoke also meant complete. If you think of the context of that, everything is complete in him and at that moment. It also means consummated, as in our union with him was consummated at that moment. And the fourth word is that it means is it means bride. So when Jesus spoke that word, he was speaking your name, and he died for his bride so she could have freedom. And so um, Kalah's mission is to unveil the bride by revealing truth, restoring the earth, and releasing heaven. And so we host events all around the country. Um, The one we're most famous for is our 48-hour Come Away With Me silent retreats. That's kind of where... My experience, um, uh, deep experience of, of learning how to receive from the Lord really started. Um, but we also hold a women's intensive workshop called Unveil, the Unveiling Intensive. And we hold a men's event called Rewrite the Story. And so um, those are not silent. But in 2020, we held four events, I think. In 2021, we hold, held 20 three events in 22 we held 24 events and this year we'll be holding at least 21 events and so all over the country and i feel blessed to um, be rooted in this house because it's from the support and love that i receive from trp and great that Kala is able to fly and so um that's kind of who i am and how i'm connected with um the resting place in fact um Caleb and Jamadi just went last week with me to a silent retreat in Wisconsin, and it was Jamadi's first one, and it was such a blessing to have her there. Um, it's such a cool relationship that we get to have. I kind of feel like in a lot of ways she's, she uh, is a spiritual nurturer, or mother of me, and then I think it's probably she probably feels the same way. In, back from me as well, so it's a really cool exchange that we get, but Jamari, it was a pleasure to have you there, it really was, and yes, Caleb comes back from silent retreats with the whole next level of vision, which is so cool, so anyway, at a um, silent retreat in November, it was here in Florida, we had our first 72-hour event, 72 hours in silence where you hear nothing but the voice of God the whole time. It's amazing. So during that 72-hour silent retreat, I was reading like three books. Anybody else like to read two or three at the same time? I do, and I love how they cross over. Anyway, one of the books I was reading is called Born for Significance um, by Bill Johnson, and there was a chapter in there um, that started to come to life in me, and I reread it, read it, and reread it, and reread it, and a message started to come from this chapter, started to evolve, and I took notes and notes and notes and notes, and he's been working on it since then. And so, it's it's a message called progress in the kingdom. Um, you know, it's God's nature, and therefore our nature as believers, to move from glory to glory right? We all have a hunger in our heart for the next, for the more. You know, there's gratitude and where we are and what we've received, but there's always that hunger in our heart for what else do you have for me, right? And you know what? We're, we're built with that desire in our hearts because that's how God is. He, um, so, we are created to advance, to progress, and to evolve. So, The resting place, um, the mission statement for the resting place is that the lost will be found, the found will be free, and peace will reign. And Caleb came back from his time off at the beginning of this year and he he was on fire and felt that the Lord was really asking us to lean into the first part of that mission for this year that the lost would be found. And uh, Jimmy gave an amazing message a few weeks ago about that. And I truly believe that my message is to equip the found to be free so that the lost are attracted to the found. So if our bride is not attractive and the bride is not free, then it's not real exciting for somebody to give up their lives for Jesus, right? I think in too many ways, um, the world looks at people who who claim that Jesus is their Savior, and what they think in their head is, why would I want that? If you have the same problems, the same issues, you're living in the same bondage that I am, but you just have some more rules. And now you give up your Sunday morning on top of that. Like, and you can't swear anymore and, you know, all this other stuff. Like, why would I want that, you know? And so the found being free is not a bunch of rules, right? And so when the bride is fully unveiled, there's a light that shines from us. There's a love that is inviting. There is peace in all circumstances. There is joy no matter what the heartache And we have access to that all the time. And I think sometimes the heaviness of our circumstances or the world or whatever it is we're dealing with, we allow it to cover up the fullness of the freedom and passion that we have access to in Christ. I believe that the lost will be found because the found are free and peace is reigning right? So our advancement in the kingdom, what does progress look like in the kingdom? Our advancement in the kingdom usually occurs in one of two ways. It occurs, number one, by receiving in a a, a posture of rest, and number two, by apprehending. And we're going to talk about both of these, but apprehending sometimes looks it will look very differently than what we sometimes think because it's not modeled after the world's way of apprehending. It's modeled about of, on the kingdom of heaven's way of apprehending. And we need to partner with that. So, number one, what does it look like to receive at rest? I was on an airplane on my way to a Mary Kay event years ago, and I was having some, uh, a good conversation with the Lord. I can't even remember 100% what it was about. And all of a sudden, I was stopped short by this very strong statement that I felt him make. And he said, you know, Vicky, you're only limited by the amount you're willing to receive. It's all available to you. So much more than you really understand or comprehend is available to you. But you're limited by your ability your willingness to receive. Whether that's a, um, a worth issue, I'm not worthy, only give me this much because that's all I need. Whether it's a belief issue, whether it's a faith, whatever it is, whether it's the goodness of God, you don't understand the fullness of that. And we can never understand the fullness of God. That's going to be a, a, the fullness of the goodness of God, right? That's going to be a forever journey, that we a beautiful package that we get to unwrap every single day. Um, but, We, I believe we need to practice the ability to open up our capacity to receive and ask him to help us open up our capacity to receive. So Mark 10.15 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And so receiving, believing, accepting what God says, like a child without question. How many of you in your head sometimes you know a truth about God or you know a truth about yourself, but there's this argument going on behind the scenes, right? There's a lot of time and energy that is spent on that tape running in the back, in the background. And so asking God to reveal what that is rooted in, there's some unbelief or some lie that we're in agreement with if that argument is continuously going on. So receiving at rest is all about receiving and believing our identity as a son and daughter of Christ. The more we are aware and confident in our union in Christ, the more easily we will advance the kingdom of God because we're not spending our time trying to convince ourselves what we are or are not capable of, good enough for, whatever it is. We're just partnering with the fact that we, have, we are a child of God and we are called to a mission. And then our energy, our focus, our time goes into advancing the kingdom, not convincing ourselves that we're worthy of advancing the kingdom. Right? So this is one of the greatest gifts that I receive at um, my silent retreats. And, you know, Gigi mentioned this at the last service. It's not just a silent retreat. What that has done me is it's, taught, it's postured my heart. It's forced me for 48 hours to let go of everything else and to posture my heart before the Lord so that every single day, even amidst the chaos, I can do that, right? So, um, it's probably why I'm so passionate about believers getting away with him and beholding Jesus, because he speaks identity in that place. It's all about you. It's all about how much he loves you. It's all about how he created you to be, right? So, Receiving is all about resting and our royal identity, but we need to know what our royal identity is to to rest in it. And so, giving him an opportunity to tell us who we are. There's nothing we have done or can do to earn our royal identity, but we must continuously stretch our capacity to receive. So, one of the uh, activations you might want to jot this down or like store it in your head or something. One of the activations that I... um, It was during a silent retreat. I just felt prompted to write it on a notebook piece of paper and put it by where we grab our food so that everybody who was attending would see it. I asked them to to meditate on this during the silent retreat. And I'm going to give it to you because I think you guys are supposed to do it too, okay? Um, Ask the Lord what he... Said to the angels when he created you. So I want you to imagine that the Lord came rushing in with all the angels, right, who are worshiping him, and he says, You'll never believe what I did. I created Katie, I created Trista, I created Jess, I created Scott, Nicole. I created I created this person. Let me tell you about them. This is what they are. This is what they're going to do. This is what if you were standing there and got to watch God explain to the angels who he made you to be, how he made you and why? I want you to jot down everything he says. This is the cool thing about this activation. You're not part of the conversation. You don't get to argue with it. You don't get to insert your opinion. It's not a conversation between you and God or you and the angels. You don't get to deny any of it. Just listen. This is the crazy thing about it. It's not, you're going to hear things you don't expect to hear. He's going to say things that are going to shock your socks off. And you're going to want to not write them down. But it's not about, the conversation is not between you and him. It's between him and the angels. And so that's a great way to learn how to receive what your ro- royal identity is in Christ. Spend some time listening to what he says to the angels about how you're created. When I did this, he said stuff that shocked me. And at the same time, I was like, dang it, I knew it. <laughs> so, okay, okay. Okay, so number two, apprehending. So where receiving is all about our identity as a child of God, apprehending is about our identity as a warrior in his kingdom army. Okay? So Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So this passage is probably pretty familiar to many of you. But have you ever wondered what it actually looks like to wage war in the spirit? Right? Well, we did it a lot already this morning. You know, praise and worship and prayer and following the leading of the Holy Spirit. So powerful. Unless we understand the weapons of warfare in the spiritual realm that we have access to, and we and unless we know how to use them and that we have them, they are void of power. So there's all this stuff we have access to that God's asking us to take hold of. So here are a few of the believers' weapons of warfare. And they're, this is definitely not exhaustive. It's just the ones I wanted to talk about today because some of what we've done today isn't even on this list but number one our identity as his victorious child that's a weapon of warfare that we have the opportunity to wield so speaking who we are speaking what we're called to do speaking um our own identity to circumstances and words we And and situations. We cannot underestimate this. Number two, his word. The sword of the spirit from Ephesians 6.17, right? Knowing this in all translations, right? I love it. Number three, his promises. So his promises that you receive in his word, but also the promises that he has spoken over you your whole life. That is a weapon of warfare. When you proclaim it, when you speak it like we did today during worship, you're breaking the strongholds of the enemy. Number four, his Holy Spirit. Whoa. That's got to be the greatest weapon that we have. We are filled with the power of the resurrected Christ. Wow. That's amazing. Do we even understand or comprehend, even in the slightest bit, what we have access to in that power? No, oh God, grow our capacity to receive the truth of that. Wow. But sensitivity to the way his Holy Spirit is moving is so paramount. And it needs to be honed and practiced. And then prayer, pray in, you know, Ephesians six eighteen says, pray in the spirit at all times. So constant conversation with the Lord. I think that sometimes our background or our belief system limits our prayer life to what we think prayer is, right? Kneeling down or stilling everything else and putting our hands together or whatever that might look like. And sometimes, yes, it might look like that. But you guys, prayer is conversation with God. That's all. And so I, I believe that most of the time you think you're talking to yourself, you're not. And most of the things that come into your head are not your thoughts, they're his. Because you have the mind of Christ and you're in union with him. And so just recognizing that you're in constant conversation with him. It gives you so much more confidence when you're like, that wasn't me, that was God. <laughs> Take it up with him. So, um, Romans 8.14, I love this scripture. I've been meditating on it for a while now. It says, the mature children of God, which is you, are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. So, the picture he gave me when I, when I a couple pictures he gave me. One of them was, I'm a big, my husband and I are kind of sci-fi fans. And so, um, Star Trek you know, Captain Picard always talks about moving at impulse speed and that's a lot slower than warp speed. You're a lot more sensitive to what's going on. But the other picture that I received from this is when you are sitting eye to eye with somebody across a table and you're so intent on them and if they even shift their eyes to look past you because somebody's walking in the room or something, what do you do? You notice that slight movement that the intent, their eyes have shifted somewhere else, and you turn your body towards their gaze. That's supposed to be our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to behold Him so closely that if He shifts His gaze, our body moves in that direction. Right? Wow. That's a honed skill. It's a gift from him, but what we give more attention to and affection to grows. Right? I want to be that person that is so face-to-face in love with him that no other distraction matters, but when his eyes shift, even the slightest, my body moves in that direction. And I may not even know why. doesn't matter why. So God trains us and equips us for war. He tells us who who we are. He gives us identity. He makes us aware of how to apprehend. He trains us for war. And then he'll do something we don't like. He'll arrange a conflict for us that he knows we can win, but it's going to be uncomfortable. Because it's going to ask us to start exercising the things that we think we have or know we have. And we're going to have to become a believer instead of an understander. Right? So, it's how, when he invites us into that conflict, it's how we strengthen our endurance and we become aware of the strength that we own. Okay? So, we cannot win a war the Holy Spirit is not calling us into. We cannot win a war that the Holy Spirit is not calling us into. I've been um, studying King David lately. The Lord invited me in to learn a little bit more about King David. Because sometimes I feel like his life is like mine. (laughs) It's reeked with constant betrayal and just constant, like, war and nothing seemed easy for David, right? Like he was he was anointed as king and never actually got to be king until years later. It's like what? <laughs> you know? And so his reaction, his response to his life is poured out in the Psalms. So I've been reading 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, and then the Lord said, and read the Psalms alongside of it cuz then you see how he responded to what's going on, right? Oh, I love David's responses. They're so real. They're so authentic. In one psalm, he goes all around the emotional wheel, right? He's all over the place, up and down and around, and, it's, and at the end, but I trust you, God. <laughs> I trust you no matter what I trust you. I love it. it oh, he always brings you back to that. So I've been reading on him, and it's astonishing to me. How before he goes to war, and there were a lot of wars he went to, but every time before he goes to war, he asked the Lord, should we go to war with the Philistines? Should we go to war with the Ammonites? Should we go to war with these people, that people, whoever it was? And will we be victorious? He asked him that. That's the kind of relationship he had with the Lord. He asked, should we go? Will we be victorious? And when the Lord said yes, he went, and when he said no, he didn't. Wow. Right? So let's look at how Jesus modeled resting, receiving, and apprehending. Some of these scriptures are blow my mind. Matthew 3:17 through 4:1 in the Passion Translation says. Then suddenly the voice of the Father shouted from the sky, saying, This is the Son I love, and my greatest delight is in him. So, pause. This is the moment that John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Okay? And at that moment, there was a voice. Can you imagine being there? There was a voice that came from the sky that said, This is my Son. The son that I love, and my greatest delight is in him. Could you imagine hearing that? Right? That's receiving identity. Even Jesus needed it. He needed to receive the identity, his identity from God. Did he know who he was? Yes. Do you know who you are? Yes. But does it feel good to hear it again from God? Yes. Right? He doesn't get sick of you asking, by the way. You can ask him as much as you want. It doesn't mean you have lack of faith. It means you're basking in him, in his affirmation. But what happened from that point? The chapter shouldn't have stopped here. It should have have been all been one chapter. Because from that place of knowing his identity, from receiving, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness. Whoa, what? What? Did you guys read that? The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. This must be a battle that he can win. Right? He was Jesus was sensitive to and moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And then it says in order to reveal his strength against the accuser. What? That's amazing. He didn't lead him in there to torture him or to give him a hard time or, you know, to, to even to test him, you guys. It was to reveal his strength that he already carried against the accuser. I almost feel like God was like, let's show the enemy who you really are. Let's reveal to him who you are. But what did the accuser do? Every single time he came to Jesus to entice him with sin, the first thing he did was he questioned his identity, which is why it was so important that he received that word from the Lord before he went into the wilderness. He knew who he was. In verse 3, the enemy says, how can you possibly be the son of God and go hungry? Questioning his identity, right? In verse 6, if you're really God's son, the audacity. If you're really God's son, jump and the angels will catch you. If Jesus didn't know who he was, know that he knew that he knew, like knew who he was, he potentially would have been tempted into proving it in a way that God was not calling him to do. Right? The enemy even had the audacity to try and use scripture against him. But every single time Jesus replied with the scriptures say, he didn't even argue his identity because he knew it. He knew it. Jesus used the word of God and stood on the destiny that God had promised him. So he grabbed a hold of the promises that God had given him, and he spoke them. So let's bring this together. Jesus modeled these two ways of progress in the kingdom, receiving and apprehending, multiple times. He got away with the Father all the time. You can see that in Scripture. And he received in rest. He received affirmation of his identity. He received promises spoken to his heart. He received direction from the Father. And from that place, he proclaimed his identity boldly with assurance. Before he healed, he would say who he was. Before he declared anything taught anything convicted anyone of anything he always said i am the, he he confirmed his identity this is who i am and now i'm going to apprehend by speaking truth to you jesus knew his being before he performed the doing and it was always prompted by the holy spirit there were many times probably probably way more than we even realize, that Jesus did not do things that he had the power and authority to do. Think about that. There were many times he probably did not do things that he had the power and authority to do because it was not the Father's time and it was not the Father's will. He was not being moved by the Holy Spirit. Our power to apprehend will grow as our understanding, our believing, our receiving of our identity is established, and our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is trustworthy. Jesus was only and always about the Father's business. He was completely dependent on his relationship with, the, with his daddy. <clears throat> Let's look at one more um, example as we bring this in for a landing. Um, I love this example. This is the Last Supper, and this blew my mind when I spent time in this scripture. Looking at it from this perspective, John 13, 3, in the TPT, it says, Now Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things under his control, for he had come from God and was about to go back to him. Identity. 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 Okay? Jesus knew who he was. From that place, he apprehended. What did apprehending look like in this moment? So he got up from the meal and took off his outer robe and took a towel and, unwrap, and wrapped it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with his towel. In this situation, apprehending in the spiritual realm, looked like serving. Looked like washing the feet of the one who was about to betray him. There were spiritual warfare ripples in the heavenly realms that occurred that probably made well, we're still benefiting from this, right? This is still making a difference today this example, because he apprehended by serving. It's powerful. We don't feel like that's powerful. Humbling ourselves and getting on our knees and serving somebody, somebody that we might even think doesn't deserve it, does not feel powerful. I promise you, it doesn't. And you know. But in the heavenly realm, it's one of the most powerful things you can do. So once again, Jesus knew his being. He had received his identity and therefore his authority. And from that place, he apprehended by serving. What a powerful weapon of warfare. You might want to add that to the list (laughs) that we had up earlier. So once again, Jesus teaches us from our posture of being what the doing looks like, right? He doesn't, know, he doesn't just know, speak, and declare truth. He actually walks the truth out when prompted and with whom he's prompted to do it with. So cultivating a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit by resting and receiving will prevent us from exercising our authority separate from the Father. I'm just going to say that again. Cultivating a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit By resting and receiving will prevent us from exercising our authority independent of the Father. We have great authority. But exercising that independently is very dangerous. Like, I got it. I think I know what you... I think I know. I think I gotcha. Thanks. (laughs) That is so dangerous. It's never... When you look at the way Jesus healed... It was never the same way. Are you sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit that if he told you to spit on some dirt and put it on a person's eye, that you would do that? I don't know. Like, it was different every time. He was so dependent on the Holy Spirit. When we apprehend in response to the Holy Spirit, his power will flow through us. And we don't have to do anything with it. So, final scripture here. First Corinthians 12:11 from the Passion Translation. This is at the end of um, a whole list of Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we have access to, right? At the end of that list, it says, "Remember, it is the same Holy Spirit who distributes activates and operates these different gifts as he chooses for each believer you guys this is super important because we've all been given access to all of the gifts of the holy spirit the fullness of the holy spirit came to dwell inside of us when we accepted christ but it's him that activates it so do i have the gift of healing yes but am i just gonna activate it because i'm like somebody needs healing or am I going to activate it because the Holy Spirit says that person needs healing and I want you to spit on dirt. Or I want you to put your hands on their feet. He's activating and operating through us. But saying I have the gift of healing and so thanks, I'll, I'll just go start praying over everybody, over everybody and demanding that they are well. That's not the relationship that Jesus has called us into. So let us honor the Holy Spirit by taking the time to cultivate a sensitivity to him where when he looks, when his eyes shift a certain direction, our whole body moves that way. He will do amazing things through us as we become more sensitive to him. Let us not be a people who tries to apprehend independently of the Lord. It's all about relationship with him. So I'm just going to pray over us. And thank you again, Jimmy, for letting me give the full message. Um, I appreciate appreciate that so much. (laughs) May we be... An unveiled bride. May we walk in the fullness of what God has given us access to. And may we do it in full surrender, obedience, and pleasure in the co-laboring that God has invited us into. May we be tethered to you, Lord Jesus Christ, so tightly, so closely, That when you even just start to wiggle your toes on your right foot, we start to move to the right. (laughs) When you start to lift your hand, we move in that direction. Holy Spirit, make us so aware of the union that we have in you. We already have access to this. Make us more sensitive to your kingdom realm. That we, than we are to this loud and noisy and busy and distracting earthly realm. Lord, may we have a passion to sit at your feet like Mary and from that posture apprehend like Martha. <laughs> may we carry that Mary posture no matter what we're doing. Thank you, Jesus, for what we have access to in you. Remind us of who we are in you. And then release us into the conflict that you have prepared so that our strength may be revealed. It is in your holy and precious name that we trust you with all of these things. In that mighty name of Jesus, that we pray these things. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.